I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Gather around the campfire one more time, everyone. It's time for... The Connor and Smith Show. Tell us a story. Well, in this bonus uh, finale part two episode, we're going to be talking to Katie Fly about the Carblaze murder. Um, we're going to talk to her all across the pond. She will be phoning in from the mother country, England. Yes, in, in Blueberry. Blueberry, I believe. If you look it up, it is a magical little town that was built a long time ago. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so how I came upon this was Katie was supposed to be a guest in season one. It didn't work out as far as timing and stuff. And then when it did work out, I said, well, we're doing this spooky season. Do you have any, like, spooky British ghost stories? She said, I'll have to think on it. And she got back to me and she was like, oh my gosh, you've actually reminded me of something from my past. So she did see something once and then it turned into, through her research and then mine, um, she saw something at the site of an unsolved murder many, many years ago. Um, and Orson Welles actually did uh, audio uh, storytelling of the Carblaze murder many years later. Um, I'll put that in the description if I can find it. But uh, so we came upon the Carblaze murder, this cold case where the, the killer was caught, but the victim has never been identified. Um, so this is a fascinating way to celebrate Guy Fawkes Day, which is today, November 5th. Um, if you don't know what Guy Fawkes Day is, Google it. Um, it is bonfire night. It is a night of remembrance of betrayal uh, in England. It's a famous thing. If you ever watch V for Vendetta, you know what's up. But at any rate, um, just one quick shout out. Thank you so much again to everyone who has made season two so incredible between the guests and the listeners and all the traction we've gained and all of our listenership. We appreciate you. We're grateful. We're thankful for you now that we're in November. Um, we're going to be coming back with a brief addendum season three sometime in December. It's not going to be the usual schedule that season two and one had because we have a lot going on. It's the holidays and you have a lot going on too. So we're just going to maybe watch some Christmas movies, comment on them, some other stuff. But uh, at any rate, uh, here we're going to take a break. We will be right back. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Hi, honey. How, How are you? I'm fine. Over in my little medieval village. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so glad this worked out. Oh shit, I know, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what went on, but anyway, now we're fine. Yes, absolutely. I'm here with Matthew. Say hello, Matthew. Hey. Hi, honey bun. How are you? Good. You're calling from a medieval village? Yes, I am. It's in the Doomsday Book. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you know what that is. <laughs> no. Yes, it's called Blueberry. B-L-E-W-B-U-R-Y. Okay. And and it's if you look, if you Google it, you'll see it's very pretty. Lots of thatch roofs and 
it's a lovely village and yeah. so that's great it's in, in oxfordshire oh beautiful yeah, um have to, have to come one day anyway so i have to bring up the reason that this conversation is happening is because we we wanted you on the show the first season it just didn't work out with timing as far as like your travel schedule and everything right and then i i I knew I wanted to, first of all, I adore you. Um, <laughs> and we, we have been fast friends for years now. Um, yes. But I wanted to get you on in the fall, but I knew we were doing this kind of spooky season. And I said, I don't know, Katie, do you have any spooky stories? <laughs> and that kind of got you thinking. It sure did, because I had completely forgotten about, well, not forgotten, I just didn't think about it. I mean, I haven't. And then suddenly I thought, oh, my God, I remember this. Yeah. And long, this long, long time ago now, though, 1966. <laughs> and and just so people have some background, especially, let me say, Americans, can you give us just a brief uh, explanation of what Guy Fawkes Day is? Guy Fawkes is November the 5th, and it celebrates... Um, the, the, the stopping of Guy Fawkes blowing up the Houses of Parliament and the King. And it's a little barbaric because when it, it, you used to make a guy, in fact, that's where the American f um, term guy comes from. It comes from Guy Fawkes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so you, you'd make this guy and every November the 5th, which was the day that he tried to blow up and didn't didn't work out. Um, you have bonfires in your garden and you'd put the guy on the bonfire and then you'd have lots of fireworks and you'd set fire to the bonfire to burn him. I mean, it's all a bit barbaric. And then you'd go, the week before Guy Fawkes, you'd go around the village or the town or wherever you were with your little box and you'd knock on the door and you'd say, as children this is, you'd say, penny for the guy. And people would have put a penny in, whatever. And normally you'd send that to a charity of some sort. Or you would, when you were a bit naughty, you'd use it for your sweets at the tuck shop. Anyway, so <laughs> it was a very exciting time as a child. I used to love it. And we would, you know, it was all, fireworks were great. And then we'd have potatoes on the fire embers and all that. So that's how it started. And and so people would have their own bonfires in their yard. So it was yeah. it was not uh, unusual to see bunches of bonfires throughout the countryside. Oh no, it was everybody did it. I mean, it was big when I was a child, big. And you know, nowadays that we have one in our village here when it's not COVID, and they do a village one on the on the on the green, and they put a huge bonfire, and people go around eating sausages and having fireworks. Um, so it's done today, but people don't burn the guys so much now <laughs> it seems it's a bit ghastly doesn't it's a it a little bit ghastly but of course it was a bit anyway years ago wasn't it um yeah so anyway that's that's what they did so this is this is an interesting segue into the story of the carblaze murder yeah. um so basically we've we've kind of unearthed this past uh cold case murder yeah um that that happened on a Guy Fox Day night uh, many years ago. Yeah, it did. Nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty. It happened, and uh, you know I never knew anything about it, and there were no Google or anything like that growing up, and my mother and father never talked about it. 
And it was only what happened to my brother and I that night going to a party that we, you know, had this experience. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm looking up this. It happened, yeah, at 1.50 in the morning on the 6th of November, 1930, uh, where two young men were returning from a Guy Fawkes night dance in the town of Northampton to their homes in the nearby village of Hardingstone. Yeah. They saw a fire in the distance. As Guy Fawkes night had just passed, the men assumed the pyre they could see was a bonfire. As they walked down Hardingstone Lane toward the fire in the direction of their homes, a neatly dressed man carrying an attache case passed in the opposite direction. When one yeah. of the young men remarked as to the blaze he could see in the distance, Rouse nodded and exclaimed, it looks like somebody's having a bonfire up there. He then <laughs> wa walked past the two men before uh, turning in the direction of the main Northampton London Road. Yes, that's right. So when the, the, when the gentleman got there, they found the car ablaze. And where are we? We're in Northamptonshire in the village of Hardingstone, which is just outside the town of Northampton. Okay. So they found the car ablaze and there was unfortunately a body in the car. So backing up here. <laughs> it was the body of Guy Fox. I mean, there was a body. <laughs> it was all cinders, I think, by the time the police got there. Anyway. Yeah, so... I mean, literally taking the, the night very seriously and burning up a different guy. Um, right. So so this guy, I'm just uh, I'm going to skip the Wikipedia pages and just kind of summarize. So this was a perfect night to actually commit something like this. Oh, it was a perfect murder. Hoping that no one would notice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. possibly. Yeah. The guy, the, he wasn't stupid, this man. No. Um, in fact, well, history of him is interesting, but, you know, I, I knew nothing about anything. I was just going to a friend's party. I just bought my little car, my um, British Racing Green Morris 8, 1947, uh, for £20. And I was, you know, hadn't had it long. And I was driving my brother um, to this party um, when it all happened. This event happened to us. Well... So, so the event that you're speaking of happened uh, like 36 years after this night. This yes, original it, was, night. it was on a Saturday and it was November the 5th, which was Guy Fawkes night, 1966. And what was, I love the name you gave your car. What was your car's name? Vera Puke. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I called her that, but you know, I was young and, you know, it was exciting to have a car. My father was horrified because I was, you know, his precious child having a car was too much. Um, but anyway, there we go. I had Vera Puke and as it only cost £20, it wasn't, it was good. It was a lovely car and I was proud of it. Leather seats and one of those orange indicators that used to flip out at the side. Yeah. But of course, we couldn't go more than like, I don't know, 30 miles an hour is the most it would go, which is probably just as well. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, so the original gentleman who, uh, I, I guess he had several wives. Oh yes, he, he. Well, I didn't know any of this, but I mean, he did. He was a he was a womanizer, and he was um, very promiscuous. But that, when you read about his history um, in the World War One, and this awful injuries he got to his brain and by various parts of his body with shrapnel. And that he was in a hospital for over a year. 
you know, you start to think that was a terrible war. And what did that shrapnel do to his brain, which, which he had a lot of shrapnel in his brain. Right. Although he, I don't think it would stop his womanizing, but it might have stopped. If he hadn't had all that, he might not have murdered. That's all. But anyway. Well, I mean, it, it, it also begs of the conversation about mental health mental, and oh, wellness. Totally, oh, totally, totally. But what happened to us, I don't really believe in any of this ghost stuff. I have to be honest. I'm, I'm a little bit too down to earth for it. Although I would never not believe people. I just find it hard. You know, I don't think about it much. But this particular night was really, really weird. Because, you know, driving along Hardingstone Lane, which was the, the lane leading into the village, which was paved, but it was like, a, it was small, you know, hedges either side. And it was, it was foggy. It wasn't desperately foggy, but it wasn't like, you know, it was an autumnal day. And then Julian and I were chatting away and... Um, that's your brother. That's my brother. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, um, I don't know, it started to drizzle. And then we were going around a little bend in the road and I suddenly saw, and of course the, 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 the driving, the wheels are on the other side of you lot over in America. So the hedge to the left, so Julian was in the passenger seat and then there was the hedge on one side. And I saw this like white thing, it looked, it was the size of a man with those sunken eye things you look on ghost stories. And it hovered and I didn't say anything and I slowed down a bit. And then this this sort of movement came and, and stood, stood whatever it did in front of the car. And, you know, we were pretty, we were, I was almost stopped. Julian said nothing. I didn't say anything. And then it went on and then disappeared onto the other side of the road through the other hedge. And that was that. And we didn't say a word. And I kept driving and I was thinking about it. I thought, my God. And I get to my friend's house. I parked the car and I sat there for a minute. And Julian said, I said, I, uh, I think I've seen a ghost. And he said, so did I. Well, <laughs> you know, neither of us. Ever, and we didn't say any more about it, except after the party at home, I said to my mum, mummy, what? What this is what happened, and she said, "Oh, she said, well, there was some terrible murder there on that lane a few years ago, and that's all she said." <laughs> and and so I didn't know anything about it, didn't think anything about it until Stephen, you, you know, it contacted me about had I got a ghost story, and then I went on Google, blazing car murder, and there we go, Orson Wells did a bit, and it was on TV, and the guy was never found, never yeah. the, the the body was never. Identified. Yeah, right, right. Amazing. So this, so this, backing up to 1930, this gentleman had had several different women, and they were, I guess, all looking for money from him. Uh, as, well, I'm sure as, they were. They all had babies for God's ex sake. Exactly. <laughs> so he decided to basically get rid of himself and do it through a dastardly way. He yeah. went to a bar. And he found a gentleman who kind of was around the similar build as him. Yeah, this was in London. Yeah. Because he, for a job, he was a commercial traveler, which meant he went all over the, the, the country selling things. And he found this gentleman who was down on his luck. Yep. Who basically, the more he drank, the more he admitted to the guy, I don't have anyone or anything tethered to yep. in, in the world. Yeah, and, and he so was out of work, so yeah. He promised him a job and gave yeah. him a, a bottle 
and they went to the car. Yeah, he, he bought a bottle of whiskey yeah. and made sure that this poor fellow drank the whole lot. <laughs> so by the time they got to this field in Northamptonshire, now Leicester, where he was actually going to sell something, was the next town to Northampton. But he knew, you know, there was this sort of field and sort of rural area. And so he stopped the car there where there was nobody around when he set fire. Well, he knocked the guy out with a mallet and uh, basically he was drunk anyway and set fire to it. And then, you know, left the guy to burn. Well, he, he pulled over uh, almost to like use the restroom uh, and then got yes, the mallet. Yes, in the hedge, quite. Yeah. And, and then got the, the croquet mallet and smacked the guy. Yep. He, he then put his own ID in the guy's pocket. That's correct. And set fire. Uh, and and he's, what's interesting is he was, because of those two gentlemen who ran into him, that was his undoing. Because he was, yes. In the end, that's how they found him. And his story changed several times. Um, he said that it was accidental Um, (laughs) there there were a whole bunch of ways the story changed and in the end he admitted it um, almost quite proud of himself by that point but again I don't know about this gentleman's we none of us really know about really mentally what was happening exactly right with him but they never did identify that poor gentleman um, who I guess truly had no one in the world no no they, they in fact it wasn't until um, 2012 and because of dna that they found a few little bits so they've been trying to find the person that actually did die through the dna that was found on well, i forget what it was something in the car they found right two threads of his clothing or something yeah it, it's it's interesting because this is almost a companion piece we've done a a few episodes now on the story of uh, the female stranger of Alexandria, Virginia. Oh yeah. And, and that's a whole story about this woman who died and no one knows her, uh, her uh, identity was kept secret and it was a big scandal and she was buried in this elaborate grave that just says the grave of the female stranger. So in a way, this poor gentleman is kind of similar where, there's just this person that we know is tethered to this and was murdered yeah. and is, is, you know, one of a million, I'm sure, cold cases that are similar. Um, yeah. Yes. But the fact is, on the night, the commemoration of it, 36 years later, you driving on the same road see something <laughs> that know. looks like a, could be a, a lost soul who's looking for a job, maybe. <laughs> well, that, that you know, is, you, your imagination runs right. But, you know, I, I do remember it so vividly. And if my brother hadn't had said, you know, we, we, we didn't say anything when, when it was happening. We didn't say a word. So it was obvious. It was, it was a bit alarming, to be frank. And, and you know, it, it was, I've, I've never forgotten it, really. Yeah. And, you know, but still, I thank you for, stirring my memory but you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing really <laughs> i i'm i'm happy to do so if, if nothing else to just to hear your voice um it's it's uh it was also just a wonderful story to kind of yeah. happen upon i mean uh, yeah. having never heard of it myself 
Um, and I don't think many people have really. Right. Uh, and even though Orson Welles did do a bit on it, um, which is interesting in and of itself, but, um, well, and also for me, I've only seen Germany and France. I've never seen England, but I think, uh, when I went to Europe, I realized how absolutely young our country is. And when you go in, yeah, when you go to Europe, you do all, you already have a, a very deep sense of a, of a, just a long history that you don't really have here in the States at all. Oh, no, Even, no, it's a, diff, it's a wholly, whole different story, really. Yeah, and just looking yeah. at pictures of your town while we were talking, Katie, I mean, my gosh, it's like your town was born with Jesus. Yeah, it is very pretty. It really is. It's like it's, a movie set. Names like Ticker's Folly and all these names. <laughs> the Red Lion Pub, of course, and you got to have a pub. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, what I, thinking about this fellow who was executed for this crime. Yeah. But there was never any body. But, of course, it was his mistresses that all gave him away. And they found out he did. It, was, it wasn't him in the car and some of another body, so that's how they got him. But, yeah, it is, uh, I hope they find the person that died, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Alfred Rouse was the murderer. Um Alfred Rouse, R-O-U-S-E. And he was from the area? No, London. Ah. I mean, when he was young, which he, when he was young, he was very musical. He had an exceptional baritone voice. He played several instruments, piano, violin, mandolin, sang in, was in the church. You know, so he was an, he was an artist. I, I don't know. And then he signed up for the war. You know, and that was it, really. I mean, it's yeah, it, fascinating. It kind of ended his life in a way. Oh, it did, totally. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying he was a saint. I don't know anything about him. Um, and he was naughty with the ladies, but then so were a lot of men. Mm -hmm. Are a lot of men. So you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of difference, really. Right. In the years that have gone, but uh, anyway, it's a. Uh, it's lovely, but I wouldn't say lovely. It's uh, fascinating. That's the <laughs> um, and and Katie, just incidentally, how are you? I'm well. Yes, I I'm better off here. I'm wait, I'm getting my booster COVID shot on Saturday. I'm so excited. Oh, lovely! Uh, and uh, my flu jab at the same time, and then I'm coming home. Oh, nice! So I can see the kids and everything. But I mean, this has been a lovely place to be in lockdown for this little tiny bit. This last bit. Um, and I, you know, it's it's a village is a I don't know it's a different world. It's a bit Agatha Christie like, you know. Except there are no murders here, not oh. that I know of. Yeah, but not that you know of. <laughs> no, it's very very um, nice to be here, and I, you know, family are around and stuff too, cousins and things. So it's uh, it's nice, but I'm I really miss my I miss the theatre so much as we all, you know. I know it's coming back, but it's not quite the same again. Somehow. Right, right. Uh, take a while, I think. But I anyway, I hope to see you boys. You know. Yeah, it, we have to get together back. when you come back. Yeah, we will. We'll have a drink. We'll have a Guy <laughs> Fox uh, day. We'll, we'll have a Guy Fox with some fireworks. Yes, that's a yeah. good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just the forks. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Katie, thank you so okay. much for your time. And uh, we'll time. talk to you when you get back. Okay, lots of love. Bye then. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much, Katie. That was so great to connect with you and hear your voice. Uh, we hope to get together with you at your magical little um, pond side flat here in uh, Virginia. Uh, we miss you. So interesting talking about that story. And if you've enjoyed this, do do some research on it. It's a fascinating story. Um, and we were very, very uh, happy to, to find it and discuss it. Um, and we did make a Carblaze murder shirt in our spread shop. Uh, you can go and get one. You can go get one. It's a fascinating uh, piece of artwork. You can wear it while you're listening. It's it's a great shirt. I love it. Um, and anyway, uh, again, thank you so much. If you want to know more about us, you can visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Find us on Facebook at Connor and Smith, again with an E-R. We also have a YouTube channel, Connor and Smith, <laughs> with an E-R. Um, we are actually uploading a lot of, now that it's almost the holiday times, we're uploading a lot of stuff. Matt has his holiday albums, his three holiday albums that he has put beautiful uh, video uh, content too so you can hear his piano music with uh, images of beautiful um, holiday scenes so do check that out as you get into the, the holiday spirit um, and, and we will see you in season three yes we'll keep you posted yes absolutely and as we have said and we'll say for the final time tonight in season two never, never stop, stop questioning, questioning. Bye, everybody. Bye.